Steve Austin's brief but blistering run in ECW was a time of character building and reinvention at Paul Heyman's Church of the Extreme. It was nothing new for Heyman and ECW. Countless times before and in the future, he would host disgruntled former employees of WCW and WWE, giving those disenfranchised wrestlers scope to flex their creativity and guide them along the way. The majority of those wrestlers were successful at reinventing themselves and washing off the stink from one of the two major promotions. Cactus Jack, Doink the Clown, Shane Douglas, Raven, the list goes on. But only a few of those grapplers would thrive outside of Paul Heyman's filter in ECW back in WWE or WCW. Clearly, Austin would be one of them. Revisionist history is sometimes in play when thinking back to Austin's time in WCW. Let's not get it twisted, he achieved a solid mid-card career between 1991 and 1995. Almost upon landing in the promotion, he won the television championship despite being lumbered with the moniker of Stunning Steve Austin which he was not particularly happy with. Austin's tag team with Brian Pillman as the Hollywood Blondes went down in history as legendary. Sure, in retrospect, the team had two of wrestling's most intriguing superstars, not that we knew it at the time. But even so, I believe the Blondes would still be remembered to this day, even if the men involved hadn't gone on to greater things. Austin and Pillman's matches against the Four Horsemen and Steamboat and Douglas are some of my favourite tag team matches to this day, and let's not forget they held the WCW Tag Team Championship for five months. In 1995, Austin would suffer a triceps injury while on tour in Japan, in a decision that would be used to mock WCW boss Eric Bischoff for the rest of his career, he chose to fire Austin while he was still injured over the phone. It would be a depressing footnote to a frustrating run in WCW for Austin. Bischoff said that he couldn't see any marketability in Steve Austin, what with his black boots and his trunks, and who cared about the future, now he had wrestling juggernaut Hulk Hogan on the books to focus on. In the interim, Bischoff would defend that decision, saying, during his time in WCW, Steve was injured a lot. He was down and he had a bad attitude about it. He didn't like the way he was being used and the fact he was injured made it an easy decision to let him go. If there was any kind of bad attitude on Austin's part, then goodness knows he found the perfect platform to unleash it on in ECW. ECW boss Paul Heyman and Steve Austin went way back to 1991 when Austin was a part of Heyman's Dangerous Alliance and they were even travel partners at the time. Paul Heyman said it would be the industry's loss if they didn't capitalise on just how different and how talented he was. I was post-producing an ECW television show and I got a phone call from a friend of mine in WCW informing me that Steve had been fired by Eric Bischoff. So I called Steve on the phone, I offered Steve a chance to come to ECW. Heyman told Austin that he could come in right away, despite still being injured. He might not have been able to work between the ropes, but he could certainly still talk for $500 a night. For Austin, it was a lifeline that he was grateful for. The mid-90s were a tumultuous time in American wrestling, and Austin was at risk of becoming quickly irrelevant, despite being crowned Rookie of the Year 
just a few years before. Heyman went on to say, Today, someone gets frustrated and they start tweeting and putting posts on Facebook and they give interviews about how upset they are and how they're being held back and how the system doesn't appreciate how great they are. Back in the mid-1990s, there was no platform. I offered Steve a platform. Austin had never proven himself as a great promo guy in WCW, but when Paul Heyman handed him a microphone and told him to just go out there and talk, it was like a revelation. It was 4am in the morning during a TV taping, yet Austin cut a blistering promo directly into the camera. Austin had no qualms in pouring vitriol over Bischoff and Dusty Rhodes and Hulk Hogan and the way he was treated during his time in the company during this first promo. So there I am, floundering away. There's nothing going my way because the politics in WCW kept the biggest potential superstar in wrestling on the goddamn ground. What are you supposed to do? I said, how about me and Brian get back together? The Hollywood Blondes, it was the best tag team to come along in 10 years. And they say, no, Steve, we need you to do this. We're going to put the US title on you and then we're going to take you here and you're the number one contender. So then you get this world title shot. Well, all that shit never happened. They say you are what you eat in WCW. They didn't feed me nothing but garbage. So I let myself become garbage. I became complacent with everything they said. This scathing tirade poured from Austin's mouth over the course of seven minutes. And in retrospect, we can see a glimpse of the future Stone Cold here in this promo. We can see Stone Cold's character traits of taking no prisoners and looking after number one right here in his debut promo in ECW. Austin even went on to take aim at the promotion that had taken him under their wing. I stroll into the ECW arena, the biggest piece of crap I've ever seen. I broke in a building called the Sportatorium in Dallas, Texas, home of the world-famous Von Erichs. For the last two years, all you heard about anywhere in wrestling is the famous ECW Arena. Debut night, I roll in, you got the Sandman, you got Raven, you got the Pitbulls, you got Stevie Richards, you got the Public Enemy, you got the Gangsters, you got Mikey Wick Rep, whatever the hell his name is. You got a bunch of damn misfits running around thinking they can actually wrestle. All I've seen in ECW is a bunch of violent crap and that's exactly what I'll call it because that's exactly what it is. Steve Austin is here to wrestle. It's what I do best. It's what I do better than anyone in the world. Austin would go on to briefly use the nickname Superstar, cementing him as a heel on the ECW roster. Yes, Austin was unloading vitriol on WCW, but his character was no keener on being part of the land of the extreme, seeing himself as a cut above. Heyman said, Steve's promos in 1995 were groundbreaking. You couldn't be in that room without realising I'm witnessing magic. Memorably, Austin donned a black fluffy wig during one of his skits and mercilessly mocked his former boss Eric Bischoff. Austin had a lot to vent about when it came to his former boss, especially being fired down the phone, and this promo pulled no punches when it came to ripping into Bischoff and Monday Nitro which he hilariously renamed Monday NyQuil. Austin went on to promote a bottle of Geritol on a pole match, alluding to the average age of the wrestlers on WCW's roster, and mocked Bischoff for not knowing the names of wrestling moves during commentary, all while making references to firing people over the phone. In another memorable promo, Austin donned a yellow bandana, vest and training belt, transforming himself into 
Steve-a-mania, parodying Hulk Hogan, Austin tore into Hogan's shtick about taking your vitamins and saying your prayers in a promo that was liberally peppered with brothers, dudes and running wilds before tearing his vest off. When Austin was ready to return to the ring, Paul Heyman had huge hopes for him. Superstar Steve Austin was thrust into contention for the ECW world title almost immediately and Heyman intended to elevate him to the position of ECW champion and flagship star. The main event of November to remember 1995 saw Austin insert himself into a feud between ECW champion Mikey Whipwreck and the Sandman. The scheduled match at November to remember was between Whipwreck and Sandman, but Austin violently attacked Sandman with a Singapore cane and hit him with a stun gun before the match to take him out of the picture. Austin took the Sandman's place in the title match, chugging a beer before the contest and cutting a promo on Whipwreck. During the match, Whipwreck got the better of Austin and pinned him with a sunset flip to retain the title. In reality, Austin didn't want to win the title, at least not immediately. Austin claims that he turned down the opportunity to immediately win the belt because he believed that it was a slap in the face to other wrestlers and die-hard ECW fans if he was to win the championship immediately in his first bout with the company. What Austin did gain from the match with Whipwreck was his future finishing move. Whipwreck was using a facelock jawbreaker called the Whippersnapper at the time, which Austin would adopt and call the Stunner. When December rolled around, it was time for Austin's second and last match in the land of the extreme. It was December to dismember on the 9th of December 1995 and a three-way dance between superstar Steve Austin, the Sandman, and champion Mikey Whipwreck. Once Sandman arrived, things kicked off and he and Austin had an entertaining brawl, with Austin showing signs of his future wrestling style in WWE. The Sandman would defeat Austin after smashing him with brass knuckles to win the ECW title. Perhaps Austin would have had the push and the title reign that Paul Heyman wanted for him, but WWE was calling. Austin would later say, That was the launching point for me to finally be able to harness frustration, the feelings, the hunger, and to start learning to manifest and verbalise that. I felt it, but I didn't know how to get it out. Paulie helped me with my promo and gave me a chance to get all that shit out of my system. It would be crazy to say that Austin made his name in ECW and go on to be the biggest draw in wrestling history, but Austin's brief stint in ECW at the end of 1995 marked a turning point in his career. Austin later acknowledged that Paul Heyman was a lifesaver, even though he didn't know it at the time. True to form, it would take WWE years to see the potential cultivated in Austin by Paul Heyman, as they stubbornly attached their own restrictive gimmick on Austin as the ringmaster when he debuted in 1996. But later on, when the time came, Austin drew on the persona he had started to produce in ECW in those final three months of 1995.